Welcome to the Innovation Room. If you're a business leader, a change champion, or someone who wants to feel a little closer to how digital transformation is changing the world, put your smartphone aside, sit back, and indulge in the world of software. The world of endless possibilities. Innovation is exciting. The thinking outside the box, the challenging the status quo, and the creating something out of an idea. But making innovation a sustainable flow in an organization is a whole different beast. There are some people who are brilliant on how to articulate and communicate an innovation for the world to understand and buy. For the rest of us mere mortals, guidance and framework is how we can move forward. I am Somaya Agnia, the CEO of Geeks, and today in the Innovation Room, I am hosting a guru of selling innovation at a scale. She's an international public speaker, a bestseller writer, and a big source of energy in the room. Join me in the Innovation Room to hear from Nicola Cook. Hi, Nicola. Hello, Thanks. good morning. Thanks for joining me in the Innovation Room. You're very welcome. Do you want to quickly introduce yourself and a bit of a background? Yeah, so I think my bio, my job title, I call myself like author, entrepreneur, investor, sales growth accelerator, wife, mother, and basset hound lover, because I kind of feel that that is sufficiently vague to cover just about everything, every possible topic. But I, like a lot of entrepreneurs, owner managers, founders, I started my life in corporate. So I came out of a, a graduate training scheme and then launched into a big blue chip. And I've always worked in the, the sales function of large businesses for the first decade of my career, ultimately growing and building and developing sales teams. And then where I made a, an interesting transition was there was two kind of worlds like collided at the same time in my life. One was there was an advancement in technology that was disrupting the sales cycle that started around about the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s. And at the same time, I switched my career from working in blue chips to working in SMEs and, and, and scale-up businesses. Basically came in as the sales board, the sales director, including marketing in, in a small business and realized at that moment in time that there's a real gap in knowledge of understanding how to scale specifically a sales engine is the word that I used to describe the whole sales and marketing. So that was like the, the pivot point in my career. And then I, I spent a, a, a period of time working with that company, helping them grow and scale and exit. And they went through a trade sale. And at that point there, that's when I started my first own enterprise, which was in 2004. And I've been, I've had my own companies ever since. And now I have a small boutique consultancy business where I share that knowledge, company shortcuts, and I spend the rest of my time investing in, in high growth, technology-driven scale-ups. Before we get into why I have asked you and you kindly accepted to be on the podcast, <laughs> do you, like if you were, you're obviously you're in the innovation room. Yeah. But hypothetically, if you were going to build your innovation room, who would you have in that room with you? I'm massively inspired by my grandfather. My grandfather was an innovator and he was a manufacturer and he was an entrepreneur in the 1950s and he basically was one of the men that created an entire category he had businesses in haulage and privately owned buses and then he moved into manufacturing of the caravans and mobile homes and he set up two of the biggest brands that are still in existence today compass caravans and elders caravans that were both his brainchild with support from his sons my uncles what was great about granddad siddlecook 
was that he had the vision to see a gap in the market when they built their first prototype for what was then the first product that they took to market in the caravan world. They allegedly, the urban myth is that they took it to the Earl's Court exhibition in 19 whatever and filled the order book for eight years because they just come up with something that was so innovative and so different. He saw the expansion of the middle classes at that time and the introduction of the factory fortnight and that people had more disposable income and leisure time holidays were now a, a part of a growing need and to fulfill that need. Although that's got nothing to do with technology and digital and and he was a very mechanical man, he was very good at making things, is his ability to just spot trends, I think is, I've never met anybody else. Obviously he's long gone now, God love him. And of course, growing up and being his granddaughter, it's like you never appreciate the knowledge that sometimes your elders have until you wish you're an adult yourself. And you think, oh God, I wish I could have had a conversation with him now about that or where that idea came from or how he did this. So yeah, be siddle, siddle me granddad. That's brilliant. You touched on finding the gap and seeing the hole in the market or yeah. seeing trends. And that's one of the sources of innovation like you look at what problems exist that you might be able to solve in a different way and obviously I'm biased and I think that every problem can be solved by technology directly or indirectly and by technology I always mean software I'm very very biased (laughs) (laughs) you know that coming up with a brilliant idea is if anything half of the job like being able to sell that idea to others and make it a sustainable flow of innovation is the key challenge and that's that's why I was very excited when I looked at your work and what you do and the innovation you have brought Mm. into the sales side of things I thought that would be really good to get your input on how SMEs and scale-ups should look into selling their innovations and pricing it and communicating it. This is assuming that you are a business where you have an, an aspiration to scale because there's lots of very good businesses out there that perhaps are service proposition businesses. It doesn't mean that they can't use innovation, but they're lifestyle businesses and they can make a good living off them and that's fine. But if you are in the business with an offer and you want to move out of that startup phase into the real scale up, and if innovation is the product or whether innovation is supporting the delivery of the product or it's giving you an edge in some way, you have to be able to find a way to talk about it and, and to, it's a, a cliché word, but to be able to punch above your weight. Because of, even if you have had investment or whether you're bootstrapped, there's ne- the two limitations on scaling are there's never enough time and there's never enough resources. So you always have to think smart and you have to think very carefully around what's going to give me my best bang for my buck. How can I reach my target audience? Who's the target customer that's going to get the most value from this proposition? But the way in which people purchase now, there's an education phase required in the customer journey. So people go from a a state of pre-awareness or they're not aware to an awareness. And then there's like a self-education phase within the sales cycle now. And they can get lost in that space very easily. We've all heard about going down a YouTube hole or, or whatever. You don't want that to happen with your target customers. You want to be known for something. So that allows you to sell beyond both your personal relationships and your own black book or your team's black book. And it also allows you to stand apart from your competition so that you're not just winning business on a race to the bottom in terms of price and and eroding margin. The way that I do this, and you will know this, is that I call this creating your UDP, your unique differentiating proposition, the answer to that problem. 
but what is a UDP and and how do you get one to enable you to scale and, and leverage that innovation? A UDP, let me be very clear, is very different from a USP. So UDP stands for Unique Differentiating Proposition. USP stands for Unique Selling Point or Unique Selling Proposition, depending on which school you were trained in. The USP are the benefits of the features that you have within your product service proposition. So it's something does or something has, and this is the difference that it makes at a product or service level. A UDP is more strategic. It's about what is the defining differentiating across the whole company, across the whole brand, across the whole proposition. What is it that's going to make somebody choose you over a a like-for-like competitor? And, And far too often, people think they have a UDP and don't. Because they talk about things like, it's our people, Samaya. It's the culture within our business. And people buy from us because they love us and we're great and we great service. And it's okay, yeah, that's true. But I have a, a, a matrix that I plot these points into. Stuff like that always falls into the expected box. It has a high customer need, but it's not really offering you a differentiation in the marketplace. Everybody yeah. assumes that you've got great people and you've got good culture and your services deliver and your products deliver and you've got on-time response and you fix bugs and you do all that stuff. That's expected. So what is it that really makes you unique? And that's what your UDP is. And it often takes a bit of thinking because it can be a product proposition or it can be something about the way that your product works. So it could be the way in which your product tackles an existing problem, could be a UDP. So it could be a piece of IP. I was very challenged when I heard it the first time, the differentiation between UDP and USP. Yes. Can you explain a little bit about why is it so important Mm -hmm. in the world of scale-ups? And specifically, why is it so important? Because that was the key for me when it clicked thinking about innovation and technology and the characteristic of them made me realize why having a UDP is so important to to make a sustainable flow of innovation in a company. It ultimately forms part of then what becomes your sales and marketing execution strategy. I think it's Seth Gordon. I can't remember which book it is. I think it's the This Is Marketing book. He talks about you don't want to be broadcasting your marketing messages to the whole football stadium, right? Because that's really expensive. It creates a lot of noise, but it doesn't create any traction. And what a scale-up has to do is a scale-up has to create traction. I'll come back to that point in a moment. But just to finish the Seth Gordon point is, if you imagine that you've got a megaphone, What the UDP does is it allows you to talk directly to the 10 target customers or the the smaller proportion of the marketplace that that might be up in the top left-hand corner of the whole football stadium. And it doesn't matter that the rest of the market doesn't even know that you exist because they're not your target customers. You just want to be focused on that target customers. But more than that, as well as broadcasting to them, What it does is it attracts them to you. So I liken it and say it's a bit like imagine you've got the Himalayas mountain range. You want to pick a peak. You climb up it with your team, stick your flagpole in the top and claim that as your territory. So it's almost like you're saying to the marketplace, okay, so if you're this kind of customer and you've got this kind of that's a unique problem, then you need our UDP because our UDP is designed to solve that problem and not to the exclusion of everything else. And what that does is that allows you to get a much better return and bang for your buck in terms of both your marketing and sales effort to the point that you reach scale. Because once you've reached scale, 
and you've reached brand recognition level and people know who you are and they know what you do, your UDP becomes your brand. And that's fine. That's great. But most scale-ups, you haven't got to that point yet. And just to come back to that traction point, I always say that there's a, there's a shift in the mindset of an entrepreneur founder between a startup mindset and a scale-up mindset. And when I say startup, you can be a startup for 25 years, by the way. It's got nothing to do with how long you've been in business. But a startup's mindset is just get a customer, just sell something, make it, sell it, do it again. And it's that kind of, you just need to get the cash flow in. So you'll take any business from anywhere, through your network, from wherever, recommendations, run a campaign, do whatever, customers, customers. And then you embark on that journey. And what always happens, and this will definitely happen in technology businesses, is you get a handful of those initial book of clients and they love you because they have a personal relationship with you or someone in your team and you're still small enough that you can kind of meet their needs on a day-to-day basis and they feel like they've still got that you're within touching distance of them and they love what you do and then they come back and go and by the way can you get the software to do this or do you also do this or can you bolt this on or can you fix this API problem or whatever because you've still got your startup hat on and go, absolutely, and then run back to the office and go, build this. And that's what tends to happen. And that's the startup mindset, whereas the scale-up mindset is much more focused on picking your lane. So it's, okay, so of everything that we've got, what is got the best product market fit, got the best future growth in in an emerging market or an expanding market? Or we can use to create a new category, a subcategory within an existing market, or we can disrupt something in some way. Three, what have we got within our portfolio that we can expand without kind of having to go back to the drawing board? And four, who's the target customer? Who's going to get the most value from this, but who also is going to be the easiest for us to sell? And we're just going to focus on that. And I say it's like you pick your lane on your motorway and hit the accelerator. But what that requires is it requires a few things. Requires discipline. Because it means you have to learn to say no to things. Because when those customers come back and go, can you do? And you've got to go, "Uh, no, we don't. It also means that you might have to sack off some of your existing book of clients. And there should be some natural churn as you're attracting better value clients. Or, And I don't necessarily mean bigger clients. I just mean clients that are more targeted for what the, the UDP is that you let some of the other clients go. And if you do that and you focus on that, that scale-up journey, and then that's when you start to get traction and you grow beyond your little black book. What's fascinating uh, for me is the relationship or the correlation between what you're talking about as a sales strategy mm-hmm. and the innovation management yeah. that happens, mm-hmm. which is basically what you want to sell. It's the same sort of concept or same sort of discipline is required to make sure what do you innovate for. And that might sound a bit scary yeah. of like innovation happens in a very creative, loose environment that you just see what comes up. Whereas, no, if you pick the mm-hmm. right problem to innovatively solve, Mm-hmm. then you stay in your lane of innovation yeah. and it becomes a sustainable because you, your innovation has a specific purpose. So instead of being a solution for everything, you become a solution for a specific problem in, yeah. in the market. And that's where innovation can be really valuable mm-hmm. and sellable. And yeah. this is normally, as entrepreneurs, we don't like to talk about selling our innovation. There are no. babies, there are, there, there are what we, there are identity kind sure. of things. 
But if you don't think about it that way, if you don't think about, oh, I want this innovation to become a legacy, I want it to become yeah. a sustainable, evergreen flow mm -hmm. in the business, then mm -hmm. that kind of discipline I see to be the only way is discipline in that innovation. So I see a lot of discipline what in your approach. Yeah, which is always hard because there's always a test. There's always a test. It's you get together as a team or if you're me, myself and I and you go, OK, so this is it. I've made the decision. And depending on what your beliefs are and so on. But I, regardless, there's always a moment. There's a vacuum that you have to create in order to attract the new stuff in. But as you're waiting for that to land, you're having those conversations or whatever, and there's, and you're still waiting for you know someone to actually buy into this this new thing that you're presenting. It guaranteed that one of your old customers will come from left field and go, "But can you do this?" And <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking at your cash flow, kind of going, "Have faith, have faith." And and there's always that moment, isn't there? Where and I and every time I have done that, and I've had that happen to me numerous times over my career. And you breathe in the faith. And I'm not suggesting that you make silly decisions and you don't have an eye on your cash flow. But I always know that it's a test. And the minute you let it go, it's boom, It's you'll start to see success. Assuming you've, you've got the right strategy, of course, in, yeah. in the right way. Yeah. You'll start to see things moving in the yeah. direction that you've set. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all, I'm just like, all the stuff that you talk about is buzzing in my head. I'm like, we need more than one session. We need to, <laughs> yeah, I know. to talk about innovation and talk about the actual ideas and how we are going to disrupt the, the yeah. disrupt the market it's so fundamental to talk about how we are going to communicate it to the rest of the world who we are communicating yes absolutely how much we are able to charge how are we going to find out how much yeah. we are able to charge and how do we make it a sustainable those are the conversations that you and I have been having about your proposition and how to make that stand out and so on and I'm very happy with where we're at with that at the moment yeah. whether you want me to say the name out loud I'm not sure yeah, yeah. no I do yeah. I do talk about the gents yeah podcast whenever it's relevant as well and it was interesting to go through the process with you and it was very painful to think about <laughs> it was like a workout to go through let's find out what is it that makes us different name it let's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. we do have a stuff to say that nobody's saying and we do yeah. there is a gap in the market so mm. it's been wonderful and and I wasn't going to make it all about us because mm. I, I know it's very relevant to all of our clients yeah, um, I have been talking to some of them about this and they're very much looking forward for this podcast to be released yeah. when they have invested in an yeah. innovation, when they are very passionate about the change and disruption it's going to bring about. But they have challenges around how do we price this? How do we, who yeah, do we yeah, target yeah. and how do we make it a scale up proposition? And I think there is a huge opportunity, at least for the clients that we are working with. Mm. Most of them has have a great opportunity to set a new standard mm. because they are not dealing with the bureaucracy of the big enterprises. Yeah, yeah. They are are not to satisfy the shareholders they are not to think about the share prices and the profit and that kind of stuff they actually wants to make a difference yeah and that's how they can actually set a new standard in whatever yes. industry they're in yeah. and that's the UDP stuff is really great way of it's a great framework mm. I find it to to give you the discipline of how you're communicating this amazing yeah idea you have come up with yeah. it's hard to cut the conversation i know <laughs> the people that i talk to normally because they are they are all brilliant we have great insight and expertise to talk about but to finish off we are in the month of march and you and i are sitting doing a podcast about innovation and selling and and it's easy to forget not so long ago it was very hard for women to be in business yeah uh, let alone be at the table let alone mm -hmm. running their own 
businesses, let alone advising others how to do business? Is there any piece of advice? I think the the piece of advice that I would give is as someone who has grown up as a woman, obviously, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't changed gender at any point, coming into the, the later stages of my life and owning businesses. And I was in that, I was that generation where, you know, I started my business in 2004 and had my first baby in 2006 and then had my second baby in 2011. So for me, issues weren't around opportunity or creating them. I just pushed on. I just worked harder. Got I, I got my, I got around the table if I needed to be based on output really my my challenges were always about juggling and they were always about how do I be a wife a mother and an entrepreneur and I think as women we're so liberated now but if we're not careful we've liberated ourselves to do all of the work (laughs) and we also are very like I see counterparts of mine who really struggle with that sort of work-life balance and everything and my answer is this okay is if you are going to be a powerhouse in business and you've got that drive and you've got that ambition then you have to get a network of support behind you because you cannot be at the other end of the country and then you get the phone call to say gotta be picked up from nursery and so on and it does mean that you will sacrifice perhaps time with family or children which and your mindset around what that means for you is absolutely personal and I'm, I'm not here to say what's right what's wrong or judge in any way, but I know that I was more than happy to continue driving my businesses because my husband was more than happy to be the primary caregiver when I wasn't there. And that was absolutely fine. And that was okay. And if I hadn't have had, then I definitely would not have been able to have done what I have done. And the the learning here is that you can't be all things to all people 100% of the time. You have to make some compromises. I don't have any kids, but I have three dogs. And I could not have three dogs if I didn't have a dog walker, if my husband wasn't helping, let alone children and their school and everything else. I can't agree more with you that to be a successful woman, we need to be kind to ourselves and and accept help. Absolutely, that's the thing. See, you said that much more succinctly than I did. And I think a lot of our listeners are... CEOs and, and the business leaders, which statistically there are more men in that yeah. space than, than women. So I hope that gives them a bit of a, mm-hmm. a taste of what it's like to be a female business leader and the challenges, extra mm-hmm. challenges that yeah. uh, needs to be Sometimes we're, we're our own worst enemies, though, because it's not that the help isn't there. It's that we, we don't we ask feel, for it. We don't ask for it. We feel guilty or we don't like the standards that other people operate to when it comes to things that's generally a, a general problem but you know Definitely. you're going to let somebody else do your ironing don't quibble about it if it comes back but not the way that you would want it really <laughs> i still nag about it but thank yeah, you so much nicola i'm sure we'll have you on the podcast again talking about other stuff oh, i'd love to thank you for inviting me thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the innovation room Want to learn more about what we do? Or want to be our next guest? Head over to the Geeks website, www.geeks.ltd. We look forward to welcoming you again soon.